Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. What's up, Internet, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardwar. This week, I'm joined with our Editor-in-Chief, Dana Woolman. Hey, Dana. Hey, how's it going? And Senior Writer, Sam Rutherford. Hey, Sam. Hey, how you doing? Are you surviving the uh, post-Apple madness? Oh, man. I am I am recovering. I'm in the middle of recovery. That's also why uh, Sherlyn is not here this episode, because she was a little sick, and I'm pretty sure she's recovering from a delayed flight and uh, just a lot of work at the Apple event. And yeah, folks, we'll be talking about Apple's WWDC and all the news coming out of that. And I do want to say up front, um, if you were here for Vision Pro Talk, Sherlyn and I already did a bonus episode earlier this week, uh, pretty much on Tuesday. We did it right after the event. Um, So go take a listen to that because that's where I talk about my hands-on with the headset and our overall thoughts on it. But I definitely want to hear what uh, Sam and Dana have to say about it too. And we'll also be diving into all the other news coming from Apple. And uh, you know we've got some other news this week. As always, folks, if you're enjoying the show, please be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Leave us a review on iTunes. Drop us an email at podcast.engadget.com. You can also join us Thursday mornings around 10.30 a.m. Eastern on our YouTube channel for our live stream. You can actually see our faces. Sometimes we'll show off gadgets. We may actually have some stuff to show off in the next few weeks. So, yeah, stop by. It's a fun time. All right, let's talk about WWDC 2023. This is a pretty big one. I think everybody was kind of looking forward to a major new product launch from Apple, and we got that in the Vision Pro. Again, folks, go check out our bonus episode to hear my deeper thoughts on this. But you know what, uh, Dana and Sam, like, what do you guys think of this thing? Um, It is Apple's first headset. It's Apple's entry into the world of spatial computing. First thoughts on the Vision Pro? I am intrigued, and I I felt... Major FOMO reading your hands-on, Dev. Um, <laughs> it didn't make sense for me personally um, so soon yeah. postpartum to to go to this this busy event. But um, I really felt FOMO reading your hands-on. I really appreciated also how tempered your tone was. I definitely didn't think you were overly poo-pooing this device. No, um, no. Just like issues I, I felt uh, yeah, testing you so much VR. Yeah, weren't yeah. too hung up on the price, which I think would have been beside the point for such a first-gen device. They're always expensive. Um, Um, But I appreciated that you weren't just blindly cheerleading this thing. I appreciate it's cool, but I also appreciated how grounded your tone was, which it did seem really cool. I got the vibe that it is, uh, to your mind, the best VR, um, AR headset you've tested so far. But uh, my takeaway was that it doesn't escape 
um, some of the endemic problems of VR headsets, um, even down to how comfortable it is. Um, yeah. And, um, but that said, um, I left your hands on feeling really intrigued and wanting to try it out myself. Cool. Thank you. One one thing I will mention here is I think Apple is being very careful about how they show off this thing because they showed off with just a rear head strap and was like, oh, this magical device. My demo had a top head strap like so many other VR headsets. And they're talking about this thing as sort of like a modular design so you can add different things to make it more comfortable. But uh, once you add that, it feels like another VR headset with the same eye pressure and other issues uh, you know, that, that are so common to those things. Uh, but yeah, Sam, what did you think about this headset? I actually have a couple thoughts. I was, I was like really jealous. I've been like reading everybody's hands-ons, like not obviously yours, but like, you know, just for, you know, to get a whole range of perspectives. And I think it's really, really ambitious for Apple to go with the whole, hey, no controllers, we're doing gestures, uh, eye, eye tracking only. <clears throat> and I think that's really ambitious. And from what, you know, you've and other people have said, it seems to work pretty well, which is like, you know, that's actually a really big move because by eliminating the controllers, you make it just that much easier to use and you make it more approachable for people, especially who haven't used VR headsets before. Um I was also really jealous because uh, everyone has been saying that the image quality is like the best on any consumer level uh, headset. You know, we're not talking about like your enterprise, like $10,000 machines, but like, you know, ha having that fidelity, I think is going to be really, really incredible. Um, and, and it's going to be just, you know, one more step to making it that much easier to use. And then the other thing is like, I've seen some of the reactions talking about how like, oh, this thing's $3,500 and it still doesn't have a point. And it's like, Guys, people, you, you are not understanding the point of this headset. This headset is, number one, if you like are balking at the about the price, it's not for you. They, they announced this at WWDC. It's for developers. But even more importantly, if you look at Apple's business structure, Apple makes a killing on the App Store for iOS, iPad, um, and, and Mac too. And if VR is ever going to be a thing, Apple is putting a bet on hey, we need to put some groundwork in now. We need to make hardware that people can develop stuff for, that people can use. And we need to make, as I mentioned in the keynote, that there's going to be uh, a Vision Pro-focused version of the App Store for AR, VR apps. And that's going to be hugely incredible because, you know, what is Apple about more than anything else? They're all about the ecosystem. So they really want to make sure that they have the groundwork laid if VR ever becomes a thing. Hey, maybe it will, maybe it won't. Um, but, you know, they have to put in some work now if, you know, in order to be not caught, you know, way behind the times, which is like if you look back in the history of tech, you know, Microsoft, one of Microsoft's biggest regrets is they didn't push harder for mobile, uh, you know, their, their own mobile OS. For system. mobile, for the Internet, for music players. Uh, the, yeah, Microsoft like missed every other like key uh, landscape change, right? Because they relied so much on Windows. I will say this folks, like I am not freaking out about the price because this thing is called the Vision Pro. This is not the Apple Vision. Like this is a pro level device. Again, I think mostly for developers and super enthusiasts. Um, but this is, this is not the end of Apple's vision, right? Uh, somebody did the math with this. I think it was Harry McCracken. Like if you do the math for what the original Macintosh cost uh when it when it launched it's the equivalent to like seven thousand dollars you know with inflation apple's hardware has always been expensive and i think cutting edge hardware tends to be um so yeah the price is high that i think people are valid when they balk at that 
but that's not where the story ends. This is where the story is beginning. And I do think it's kind of interesting that Apple is basically telling people like, yeah, this is our pitch for spatial computing. We will need some of your help as developers to come help us build this thing and help us figure it all out. Um, people forget when the iPhone launched, uh, it didn't have an app store. It didn't even have 3G, right? They they were selling web apps. They were pushing web apps as the thing you'd be doing with your iPhone. And when the app store launched, like then the iPhone mobile ecosystem blew up and then it became like a real economy. And that also kind of shaped the way that the entire mobile landscape worked. And honestly, it, it uh, influenced uh, Meta and Oculus as well because the, the Meta Quest, it has an app store. It functions in very much the same way. One thing I want to point out, Apple never said virtual reality during their event. Apple executives are never saying virtual reality. They're talking about immersiveness. They're talking about mixed reality. Uh, when you put this thing on, you immediately see a camera view of the world around you. You see your room, um, and then you see an overlay of the icons, and you interact with those icons. Um, my broad, like, go listen to the, that other episode, but my broad takeaways is it's the sharpest display I've ever seen on any device, honestly, even more than most TVs. Sure, I've looked at some AK TVs, but I, I, those things don't exist. I don't, I, AK TVs, never going to come to your living room. Don't buy them, please. Um, but as far as a high-quality headset and uh, display goes, this is very similar to uh, if you've ever looked at like a high-quality DSLR or mirrorless camera where you look into the electronic viewfinder and you have like a really sharp little screen in there. That is essentially what Apple's doing. It looks incredible. Um, the text looks so sharp. The pictures look so good. Um, and Apple's pitch is just like a world where you can look around and see digital overlays of all your apps. It's going to eventually lead to goggles if this thing takes off. But my my ultimate vision is like this is Apple doesn't want you to wear anything. Nobody wants to wear glasses, right? This is holographics in the future in 10 years. This is like a, a thing on your desk or around your room that can create uh, overlaid digital windows, you know, above your desk or something. So that is kind of where I think things are headed. Um, but yeah, that that is the Vision Pro so far. What do you guys think about just Apple laying out this vision for a world of spatial computing. Like, do you think this makes sense? Is it too early? Do you think it's not enough based on what we've seen from existing like mixed reality solutions? I really appreciate that Apple is attempting, it seems to um, give the option of interacting with apps and services that we already use just in a different, for some people, more convenient way. Um, I appreciate that Apple isn't trying to usher us into some equivalent of the metaverse, some <laughs> specific destination. Um, the metaverse feels like a solution looking for a problem. Exactly. Um, so Meta, pitch, yeah. right. Meta has had the hard work of not only building out the metaverse and convincing brands to show up there and um, develop there, but also convincing people they want to spend a lot of time there. I don't think it's worked out so far. Um, and I appreciate that Apple isn't making any such attempt. It's not trying to really build so many specific destinations whose success the whole Vision Pro hinges on. Um, I appreciate that the value of the experience, the proposition seems to be um, using apps and services you're familiar with, just yeah. um, interacting a, with them in a different way. It's the stuff you're already doing, but far more immersive. And I think that's a really key vision there because I did one of the the MetaQuest uh, metaverse experiences with Target, and it was one of the saddest things I've ever seen in my life. Just a really bad uh, CG model of like a Target Halloween experience. It was it was just awful. So yeah, I agree. I, I think this is like a very interesting pitch for Apple. This is not the end of the story, folks. So. Stay tuned to all of that. But let's move on to some of the other hardware and some of the other announcements from WWDC 23. The big one is the MacBook Air 15. 
And I feel like this has been rumored for a while. I think it's a very obvious choice for Apple to make this thing. What do you guys think of a 15-inch MacBook Air? This is an insider comment, but Uh um, I wish it were our work-issued laptop. Um, (laughs) (laughs) For those Uh listening um, across the company, for some reason that I don't have insight into, but the standard Mac that's issued to all um, Yahoo employees, including Engadget staffers, is a 16-inch MacBook Pro. Which is a great computer, but man, is it big. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think there's value in having a larger screen. Um, but this is the computer. If if we were going to have a larger screen um, issued to everyone in the company, this is the one I wish I were carrying. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Precisely. Yeah, I, I was gonna. I was gonna say. I, I feel like the the MacBook Air 15 is gonna be the new default Apple computer just for everybody. 15 inches has always been, you know, for a long for years and years has been the most popular laptop size, and so now you have that choice if you want something more portable. You know, there's the 13. Uh, you know, the smaller one still exists, but you know. And I actually think like it actually makes the MacBook Pro 14 kind of silly <laughs> because it's like, you know, you want the bigger screen and it's like how many people are really doing tasks where they need the fan and the cooling of the, the MacBook Pro? Probably not a ton, but everyone wants a bigger screen, you know, something a little bit, you know, easier to type on. And I, I just like, you know, this is going to be. Like if you're going to recommend someone an Apple computer, this this is going to be it. Yeah, it's either this one or the 13. I just want to say this is a no-brainer. Apple should have done this years ago. Um, I love the new refreshed MacBook Air, especially with the M2 chip. Like these things are crazy fast. The only time I've had an issue with MacBook Air was actually at WWDC because I was working at one of Apple's like little rooftop, um, you know, desks to do some typing. The sun was beating right down on me. This computer does not have a fan. If your computer doesn't have a fan, that means there's no way to get the hot air out. So it just like started freaking out like within 15 minutes. I was was like, this is the only time this is going to happen. If you work outdoors in direct sunlight, that's bad. Um, The MacBook Pros have a fan and I I assume they'd push that air out much better. But otherwise, like I think the MacBook Air 13, the current one, is my ideal computer. It's super thin. It's super light. This one is a half pound heavier. This one is about 3.2 pounds Beautiful big screen. Um, Apple didn't really change much else. It has two more speakers, so the sound is a little better, they said. It has a slightly bigger battery to keep the same like 18-hour battery life. But yeah, it's a 15-inch MacBook Air. What do you want for me? I, I wish it did have at least one more USB USB port because yeah. it, they're, they're both on the same side of the system. And sometimes that can be a little bit awkward. I you asked. Know, I don't yeah. even, you don't even have to do four, but like put one on the other side because it just makes it easier to use. I asked about that. And, uh, you know, Apple does this thing where they're like, yes, you're making a very good point, but we're not going to admit it. Um, <laughs> this one does by default come with that new 35 watt dual USB-C uh, power charger. So at least you have another thing to charge USB-C devices on. And also it has the MagSafe connector. So I think Apple is saying, like, since you have MagSafe, you're no longer taking up a USB-C port just to power. So maybe yeah. you get more stuff. Um, fair, but I would have liked at least one more port on the other side because, yeah, it is very annoying to, like, charge if you – like, I was traveling without the MagSafe. I had a USB-C charger, and I had to wrap things around to that left side. So we've got the MacBook Air 15. I'm sure it's going to be – it's going to do gangbusters, uh, mainly because you had no choice. If you wanted – a 15, 16 inch, if you want something bigger than a 13 inch or even a 14 inch computer, your only choice was like the 16 inch MacBook Pro. Like it was very limited. So I do think 
And that thing that is thing big. That thing is so big. It is. Um, I think it's almost five pounds at this point. So not as fun to travel with. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure this is going to do really, really well for Apple. Also, they announced um, some slight updates to the Mac Studio. It's going to have an M2 Max chip and an M2 Ultra chip. Uh, and once again, the M2 Ultra is going to be basically two M2 Maxes stuck together. That's what the M1 Max and M1 Ultra really ended up being. And Apple is also finally bringing uh, its M-series chips to the Mac Pro with the M2, um, yeah, the M2 Ultra. Actually, that one's going to have M2 Ultra by default. But also, I think it's very clear what how to, Apple's defining things now because the Mac Studio starts at, what, 4000 to 5000 It is already a very expensive computer. And that Mac uh, Pro is pretty much close to 7000 Is it exactly 7000 I have to look that up. Um, it's not for everybody. Apple already said, like, SNL is using Mac Studios. I think for most uh you know video editors for most content creators that is enough that is all the power you need the only the mac pro exists because some people still require pci cards uh for different things for like i think um black magic stuff and afterburner um not everybody needs that and i do think like if we're looking at apple's vision of computing and desktops the mac studio is like the ideal of what apple wants it's a ton of power ton of ports everything you need in a box you don't have to like open it or do anything the mac pro is there for those weirdos who need a lot of other stuff and need a lot of like high uh, high end equipment right so uh, yeah mm -hmm. it's like more than anything else that has the pro tag in apple's lineup the mac pro is the one thing that's like this is just not for please regular don't people even look all. over here yeah yeah i mean i mean i think in the past they didn't even have the mac pro at stores because if you need a mac pro you don't need to go to an apple store to get it like just just order it online give us all all your money you know so very very basic uh, it is funny that apple spent basically an hour on these updates and on the software updates before they even announced the vision pro uh the whole setup for this event was kind of funny i did an early like impressions video of it but i didn't do a video of my hands-on so if you want more thoughts on the vision pro headset go listen to that last episode of the mean gadget podcast let's move over to software and i think it's always ios it's always ios we're looking first at uh to see like what's changing uh, because I think for most people, their phones are their most important computers. iOS 17 is on the horizon. It has a couple new features. Um, what's interesting is it seems like Apple's focusing on core apps like your phone app. You'll have the ability to create like a beautiful contact card with a nice photo and you could design it. Um, iMessage is getting some slight improvements to uh, transcription, live transcription of voice of calls of voice messages as you're basically as somebody is leaving you a voicemail you could see it and that is pretty cool i know google announced something very similar for android um what else we've, we've got they, they reintroduced the uh the app bump which apple effectively killed but you'll be able to like bump iphones together and share contact stuff and there's a journal app that we talked about in previous episodes that'll use a lot of contextual information the iphone has to help you journal every day and it is weird that even that app and um, other things apple is doing is really focused on mental health um there are going to be prompts to help you reflect and be more mindful of your day and that that is a weird thing i see apple leaning into as well but could be useful for a lot of people what are your thoughts on ios 17 guys i think um so as always uh this update is a mix of things people asked for and didn't ask for, for better and worse. <laughs> uh -huh. I mean, for instance, the 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 um, setting of two alarms, um, being able to Good set simultaneously. Yeah, I mean, got big a big response from the audience. And it is something that has been much demanded, um, including while, for me. While cooking, I will say, like, timers, it's timers. Like, you could set as many alarms as you want, but it's timers that is the really annoying thing because it's like, I have several things cooking. I can't, why is my no. supercomputer 
can only do one. Yeah. And then it becomes, yeah, a math problem in my head, how to set up my alarm Mm -hmm. optimally. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's something people have been asking for. I don't think the, the, the posters for incoming calls are really cool looking. I don't, for better and worse, I don't think it's something people were asking for. Uh, For my part, if if Apple was going to focus its its attention on calls and messages, um, what I would have liked to see, and I'm still waiting for, is a more robust response to um, spam, especially text spam. Uh Uh Um, You can report messages as junk. That's fine. I don't think it it feels like a Band-Aid on a really pervasive problem. I do still wonder if there's more Apple could be doing about unwanted um, messages. So... I don't want to be a negative Nancy, always (laughs) Mm -hmm. drawing attention to to the things Apple didn't announce when it actually announced a whole bunch of stuff. It as often it does feel like a lot of what Apple announces is window dressing. Some of it is useful, but I see the window dressing and I'm like, well, what about the thing that actually would have made my life easier? Um, Who knows? Maybe next time it will be. I know a lot of times people were, for instance, asking for the dual alarms and they were asking Mm -hmm. and asking and Mm -hmm. asking. They were asking for the weather app on more platforms than just the iPhone. So eventually Apple, I think, does hear these things and incorporate it when it gets around to it. Um, But that's sort of my take is Uh pretty stuff. Some of it's window dressing. Some of it's what I wanted. Some of it's what I didn't particularly need. It's cool. It looks nice. I'll not, be glad to test yeah, it. Yeah, this is not a big design update for iOS 17 either. It's like core app updates and a few nice new features. Sam, any thoughts on this? Because I are you more Android than than iPhone, Sam? Yeah, I'm definitely more more oh, yeah, Android than an iPhone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But that said, like I think you know, think about it. Like we're on iOS 17. Like you know, these platforms are very mature. So like you know, a lot of the the issues are like pretty small. There's there's no like really glaring problems that you know iOS needs fixing. Um, that said, I do really like the ability to turn the iPhone into, uh, you know, a bedside clock and a little assistant. I, I think we were talking in Slack a little bit and we were talking about like, oh, that little stand that they had looked that really looked cool. cool. And it's like, oh yeah. Um, and, and, you know, you see, if you go look at Google, you have that, like, you know, they have their nest hubs and they've added some of that, um, similar functionality into some of the pixel, uh, phones and stuff like that. So it's nice to see, this is like, you know, how Apple kind of responding to that and, you know, if you're, you know, like a lot of people, you put your phone on the, next to your bed when you go to sleep. Like, hey, it's nice to have a little bit more functionality. So I think that's really it's, nice. It's um, a nice upgrade. little feature that also makes you rely on your phone more and your Apple devices more. And this is all like key. It's all synergy. It's like, oh, now now my phone will do everything for me. I don't even need an alarm right. clock. I mean, like yeah. who, who, as it is, who already isn't using their phone as their yeah. alarm clock, yeah. right? Like, you know, do people need dedicated alarm clocks? It, you know, it no, depends. You know, I mean, I exist. like having a big thing with a number. Like when I look over at night, I don't have to like turn on my phone, the light and everything. So right now I'm using. And, and, and that's what you yeah. get with, yeah, with this, this new I, I kind of want to see it in action right now i'm using the amazon i'm using an echo dot that has the little like led um you know number so that's useful but my phone is right there beside it i there are so many wireless chargers that will let you put your phone vertically or um horizontally too and you could both charge your phone overnight and you know make it more useful as a smart display this is a feature by the way coming to ipad os and i do think this is Apple's sort of like, um, you know, this is more of a smart display play because they're not doing the Echo Show. They're not doing um, like the Google Home smart display stuff. All Apple needs to do is give us a freaking speaker dock. All I want, all I want is like that one thing that um, Google had announced for the Pixel tablet. Um, give us a nice speaker dock that could fit iPad Airs, Minis, probably even an iPhone. Like a place to put your thing, let it charge wirelessly, but also uh, make the sound bigger too. So 
Yeah. Yeah. An iPad mini seems like a really like interesting fit for that sort of I, thing. It keeps calling to me. So th- that's the main thing. But yeah, overall, iOS 17, a lot of small changes. Um, I mean, we're, we're into iPad at this point. It It is funny. Like Apple has like, it feels like they've refined their OSs so much. They, they just got nothing. Um, they're like, uh, how about better PDF editing? You know, we can edit PDFs better. You can sign your PDFs. Uh, stickers. Stickers are now emojis. How about that? You know, just. It feels like we're scraping the bottom of the barrel for some things. The health app is finally coming to iPadOS. That's nice if you want to, I think, maybe for pairing your Apple Watch or at least seeing your data. And one thing I really like is um, screen distance. There's a feature that's going to detect how close um, somebody is to the screen while they're watching it, which is a good thing for kids. You don't want them, like, right directly in front of a screen. Apple even brought up, um, you know, the problem of myopia, of uh, short-sightedness, where if it's been shown if you do a lot of like really close viewing early on, this is probably what killed my vision. Um, if you do a lot of that, um, it will have long-term damage for your vision. So this is like an alert to like, okay, I know you want to live with this iPad all day, kids, but you have to like put it back uh, a ways away. So and yeah. This is also teaching good habits, like for the future yeah, too. Yeah. Good habits. And also a good reminder for parents too, because you can't, you can't, I'm always trying to make sure my kids aren't too close to screens, but they will pull it. Like something will happen. I get distracted. And it's like, it is nice to have like that thing um, just there in mind. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mac OS Sonoma, anything major here? It seems like Apple's big on widgets. Uh, widgets on the desktop you could you could do they're more interactive now um anything uh you know jump out at you at you all from mac os sonoma and first of all the name is sonoma i'm surprised apple hasn't used that yet it seemed kind of like a layup so i mean it's like maybe there's like they, they were saving that one in case they couldn't come up with a really good name like it's like oh we'll just use sonoma yeah. um i i saw some interesting comments online it's like you know, with the widgets, like people were pointing back to Vista or Windows Vista and talking about how, like, you know, we had vi- uh, like widgets back on Windows for a long time. And it's like now we're really like a coming full circle, but now on the I- uh, even, iOS. Even Microsoft gave up on widgets. Yeah. I mean, Windows 11 has widgets, but who cares? My thing is who cares about widgets? I, I hate widgets in desktop platforms, you know? I'm, I'm kind of the same. I, yeah. If you love widgets, tell us, tell us, and tell us why. Podcastinggadget.com. Dana, any thoughts on macOS Sonoma? Because I know you're also you're you're a big Mac fan as well. Yeah, and just adding to it, I am not mm-hmm. a widgets person on the Mac either. The yeah. only use case I can think of, and I mean, I think this is sort of a sad use case, is like you can't put your phone down, and you always need to be looking at some screen. But I think widgets to me, I think um, I think they're useful. I think having them repeated across devices. I don't know where you draw the line between there being continuity of the experience right, right. and sort of enabling sort of almost like a tick-like behavior where you always have to be checking or refreshing something. This is, um, this is what Apple wants, too, because I can imagine um, – I don't know if they talk about widget support in the Vision Pro, but I can imagine all the nice interface stuff you set up on your phone and your computer, you, they will want that replicated on the headset, too. So it's like – you're in Appleville. You just you're always in Appleville, you know. Yeah, and I mean, I I've had this feedback about myself personally. I'm mm-hmm. that I look at my phone too much. I need to put my phone down. Um, I don't know if having widgets replicated on my desktop <laughs> helps that. Maybe it makes me look. And this this was, this, mm-hmm. this was sort of the proposition of the Apple Watch when it came out. I have an Apple Watch also. Do I look a little less rude looking at my Apple Watch versus my phone? And at certain moments, do I look a little less, do I look a little more furtive and a little more um, subtle looking at my desktop <laughs> instead of my phone? But I don't know if it's all the same experience and it's replicated everywhere. I don't know if this does anything for my habit of constantly <laughs> looking at something, a screen for refreshing of stats that don't matter. 
widgets. I don't, I don't know. They, they will keep pushing widgets. Even Microsoft is pushing widgets harder in Windows 11. And I'm like, I don't, I don't care. I took that button off my taskbar. A couple other features in Windows Sonoma or Mac OS Sonoma. Uh, there's a presenter overlay feature on video chats now, which is kind of cool. It basically turns your background into a blue screen and lets you, um, if you are sharing your desktop, it will let you pop up in front of that in like a very cool TV uh, newscaster fashion. I thought that looked really cool. Um, what else? You, uh, hand gestures in your video chats? Okay. Balloons. Balloons. If, you, if you do, what was it? Double thumbs up or something? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I th- you know, Apple kind of presented this as a way to like, you know, celebrate people or like, you know, show more emotion during video calls. And it's just like, I was sitting there and I was just like, it just felt kind of forced. I mean, I'm sure people will use it. And like, you know, uh, I think Ben was saying earlier that like he's going to use it to troll people more than anything, which is like, yeah, OK. That I makes think sense. so many of these things will be used to troll people. I think those contact cards uh, that you're creating on your iPhone, like your friends are going to be putting the grossest, silliest pictures. And when your friend calls you during a work meeting, that is what pops up on your phone. You know, so I could just imagine a lot of these things uh, being used to troll uh, people. You know, uh, somebody mentioned, oh, they did announce the aerial wallpapers uh, from macOS uh, Sonoma as well. want to point out, those are straight from the Apple TV. Look, doesn't look like they're any different at all. So it is a cool thing to see. But I'm surprised it took Apple this long to, like, bring that feature over to, to computers because it's been on Apple TV 4K for, for a while now. Um, any other thoughts on Sonoma, folks? Like, we, we there's a bunch of other Apple news we can mention. But uh, there's games. They talk more about games. Hideo Kojima was on the stream. Death Stranding, a director's cut, is coming to macOS later this year. And he also mentioned that he is working, he and his team are working closely with Apple for future games, too. Games are something Apple has been notoriously bad at over the years, uh, but it seems like it's getting better. We've seen Stray running in macOS. That's out. Um, no Man's Sky just got released on macOS as well. So any any thoughts on that? Like, Dana, I know you're not much of a gamer, but it's always felt weird that Macs have never really done much of this, right? I'm not much of a gamer, but I've written many a laptop review. Right, and I know right. that when it's come time to testing the graphics, we've always been somewhat dismissive of the gaming experience on Mac. So it's not going to be me who tests this out personally, but I'll be curious to see your write-up, for instance, on game mode in the new new Mac OS. I think Apple itself has been dismissive of games. Like the, the closest they've gotten over the years is Apple Arcade. And those are basically mobile games that, that you can play on your Mac. Great. Fine. Uh, but it's not it's not as dedicated. Sam, like as a as a true gamer, what are your thoughts on this change for them? Yeah, I actually think this is actually kind of sneaky because um, and they, Apple has been slowly building towards uh, this for a little while. And so I think that, you know, the way that they're using metal um, to kind of uh, make it easier to port over games, they're like they're they're trying to like put in some of the support structures that make developers more at least amenable to being like before developers just like I won't even consider like bringing something to Mac because it was just such a pain. And like, you know, there was too much like the audience you know, isn't there for games and, either. Like, you know? so like, yeah, that was the whole thought process. And, and, and so, you know. Like throughout the last couple of years, like Apple has been like, you know, they, they they announced Resident Evil Village was coming to the Mac, like, you know, at the previous one. And, you know, now we're talking about Stray and like, you know, No Man's Sky just showed up recently uh, on the Mac OS. And so it seems like there's building a little, just, you know, a little bit of momentum in terms of like getting some of the more of those AAA titles over to Mac OS. And I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, how developers respond to this. Does that mean we're going to get, uh, you know, the next Call of Duty on Mac? Probably not, at least, you know, not in the very immediate future, but hey, maybe five, six years from now, that's, you know, that could be a thing. 
that said, you know, if we're talking about the reality of the situation, I think someone mentioned in uh, in Gadget Slack the other day that like, Whoopi Goldberg was complaining that Diablo 4 doesn't run on Mac, which is really mm-hmm. interesting because Mac uh, Blizzard has always been a really big supporter of Mac OS. WoW has been available natively on Mac OS for forever. Um, and then, you know, there's just this big new AAA game from Blizzard, and it's not available on Mac. Weird. So there, yeah. obviously there's very still very real growing pains when it comes to game development and porting titles. I think it's really all about the Vision Pro, to be honest. Like what part of that pitch was somebody holding a PlayStation controller playing games on the Vision Pro and like playing, you know, a, a Mac game, but projected like 100 inches into the into the air. Um, I see uh, a frequent commenter here at the chat. Uh, Mark Dell points out that the Apple TV is their console. Hey, the Apple TV plays the same games that the Macs all play. Like they, it has a lot of Apple arcade games. I think as a platform, though, nobody plays games on the Apple TV. I don't, how, are you syncing your Xbox controller or game controller to the Apple TV to have like a little bit of that gameplay? I've done it. It's kind of sad, to be honest. So maybe I, I think Apple needs to like make steps towards making all this less sad. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see how a lot of this turns out. For me, it's more the Vision Pro because there are a lot of like there are a lot of VR games that would be great here. But Apple didn't show us Beat Saber. They didn't show us anything you would typically see in a headset because the Vision Pro is a computer to them. It's not just like a VR headset. So they need to have the games there eventually. One other thing I want to point out is that uh, the developer betas for all this new software are now free to download and install. That used to require a $99 developer account. So there were there were other ways to get the, uh, <laughs> the installers for those things. Um, this is really early beta software. So if you do do this, just be careful. Try not to do it on a primary device, I'd say. Um, I think by next month, we'll have the public uh, betas and those are tend to be safer and are a little more stable. So, you know, just uh, just keep that in mind. want to mention something quick here too. Apple has reportedly bought the AR startup Mira and this is the company behind the lens technology for the AR headsets in Super Nintendo World's Mario Kart ride. I have not done that ride, but uh, those headsets look very cool and that whole thing seems very cool. So again, Apple is really leaning more into the mixed reality side of things. Um, these headsets are going to get cheaper. Like the Vision Pro is 3500 I think like Apple is not going to be fully consumer ready until there is something, the price of a MacBook Air, right? That thing, make it slimmer, make it maybe less um, less powerful maybe, but make it $1,000 and make it like an accessory everybody would want to put together with their iPhone or iPad or Mac. Um, the vision that I had, you know, we had talked about a couple of weeks ago, just like sitting in front of your MacBook and having a giant screen pop up out of it is exactly what Apple showed off uh, at their event. So imagine going to a coffee shop and having a ton of workspace and private workspace. Uh, when I was stuck on a plane or in an airport for eight hours this week, um, I would have loved to put on a headset and just like watch a movie in a giant, you know, virtual screen. That worked out really well, by the way. I saw a bit of Avatar 2 in that. Um Man, that screen is good. Man, that tech is just so good. So, you know, in the end, I watched some stuff on my laptop and I felt really sad that I was not living in the Vision Pro future. Um, any other thoughts, folks? Uh, there, There is a mention here. Um, Andy Tarantola wrote a great piece about uh, where was all the AI at WWDC? Do you guys have any thoughts on this? I'll start out. I'll tell you an anecdote from um, IO a few weeks back. Um my mom happened to be with me in the apartment. She was looking after Hannah um, while I was working and I had the IO live stream playing out loud. And at some point, my mom, she's a colorful character. 
She said, if I hear the, the word AI one more time, I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> um, which I think, honestly, is to some degree how a lot of us felt. Uh, Google was clearly um, doing it almost performatively, I think, uh, maybe in response to criticism that it hadn't been moving fast enough or aggressively enough on AI. I think it was similarly interesting that Apple didn't mention AI. I think to Andy's point, Apple didn't necessarily need to. Um, and if it had mentioned AI, it would have been performative. It would have been to just be overheard saying AI, basically. Uh, it it is Andy's, interesting. Yeah. yeah. What's interesting is that they didn't say AI, but they did say transformer model several times, which I think to normal humans doesn't mean anything. To developers, they're like, that's AI, because uh, the transformer is the T in GPT. Um, and they talked about the transformer model being the new part of autocorrect and a couple other like tools within their operating system. So they are using AI and they've used it for a while. They've used computer vision stuff for uh, the Photos app. Uh, they're just not talking about it the same way Google and everybody else is. I think that's, it, it's performatively not saying AI, even though they are actually doing some AI. Sam, any thoughts? I think it was actually really savvy for, for kind of like Dana mentioned that, it, uh, you know, Apple didn't play into like the buzzwordiness of the whole, you know, recent AI phenomena. And I think that, you know, they were they were smartly staying out of it in the same way that they didn't mention, you know, specifically VR for the Vision Pro. I think, you know, it, Apple, will, it, you know, they want to be very focused. And, you know, if you think about like, you know, autocorrect on your phone, you don't need to think about how, oh, is AI going to be scarily like interpreting my words? They're just using it because, you know, language models can help you know, a lot of the day-to-day -day mm -hmm. issues that people have, especially when they talk, you know, if you want to swear on your, your iPhone, you know, now you can do that a little bit easier. They kind of I, I do like uh, they mentioned, like, if you just want to say a ducking word, that was a very, that was a very good, good yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, especially this keynote, yeah. uh, Craig Federighi was like all over the place. He was like, he was just like memeing it up uh, across the board. He's really like dived into, uh, he's like the, the new social meme star for he's, Apple. But yeah, yeah, the triple guitar, like he, he's all over the place. One thing I want to ask you all before we end on Apple talk, why, why isn't Tim Cook wearing this headset? Why isn't Craig Federighi, the guy with the triple guitar, memeing it up, not wearing the Vision Pro? Because they know it looks a little silly. You think? Yeah. Yeah. They, they they would never admit that. And they never admit to, to anything, including the location of where the, the, the optimal location of the USB port, to your earlier point. <laughs> but um, no, I think they know it would be turned into a meme. I mean, they, they, they do cannily understand how social media works. Um, I think that was it. I think they know it looks a little silly looking. Um, unlike the Apple Watch when it first launched as a first generation product, which was also very expensive to begin with, the Apple Watch was at least pitched as a fashion forward mm -hmm. device. In fact, that's mainly the main thing it had going for it in the very, very beginning. Um, this fashion is not the Vision Pro's strong suit. And I don't it's even know- It's a good looking headset. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's still a headset. Yeah. It's sleek, but- it gives ski goggles at the same time, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but I don't, I don't, I don't know how aggressively Apple's trying to make the point that it's fashionable or um, stylish. It's, it's I, just uh, interesting. Yeah. Like this is the company that's normally the one like Steve Jobs is out there playing with the iPod, right? Playing with the iPhone, like giving us the glimpse of the future and also like aligning himself with the common user. And I feel like Apple's just not doing that anymore. Sam, what do you think? 
when I think about it, I think more than pretty much any other company, especially in the tech industry, Apple's really, really good at learning from the mistakes of other companies. And so if you look back to when uh, Zuckerberg announced Horizon Worlds and they showed off the avatar, people have been memeing on that for years ever since because it just looked incredibly awkward. And then even though Apple announced Personas, which is like your you know your, your new VR-ness, you know, whatever your yeah. face is going to be when you're using the headset, they showed it off very briefly in, in the keynote. And they didn't, they showed it off in a way that it wasn't jarring and they didn't like, it didn't stick out in a way that's like, you, you know, they didn't, they, they were trying to like prevent people from recoiling from the tech. And so they're <laughs> making it more, more friendly to like, at least think about, even if you're, you know, you have no intentions of ever buying yeah, one. They're, they're thinking really hard, about, I guess, about how these things present themselves. And it's just, to me, it is kind of sad because uh, th- this is a useless hypothetical, but I feel like if, if Steve Jobs were here still pushing this company forward, He'd wear the headset because after a certain point, you, you DGAF, like you, you gotta like present your thing and be like, this is the vision of the future. It may look a little silly right now, but this is kind of where we're headed and you gotta be confident about it. So I do feel like it feels like Apple's being a little cowardly by not. Remind me, did it. anyone wear the AirPods when they were originally launched? That's a good point. There's the famous um, photo of Scott Stein from uh, CNET who had the air, did that photo and it went viral like that day. Um, and so I was kind of interesting. I don't think anyone got like went viral for wearing the Vision Pros this time. But, you know, that that's, you know, that's something that like sticks out in my hot, my mind from way back in the, the AirPod launch. It is very weird. It just feels like it is strange to me that Apple seems afraid of its own products sometimes, at least when it comes to something like this. But you know what, folks, we will be talking about this for a very long time. Again, if you want to hear my hands on experience with the Vision Pro, Tune into the previous episode, the small bonus episode Trillin and I recorded. Um, that is that was a trip of an experience, and I also got to explore like a whole new building Apple created, uh, which was so new there was no plumbing in it, right? There was no bathroom in it. It was just this like temporary building they made, which looked beautiful, but it was essentially a temporary building, like something you'd put beside a school when there's not enough room in the school to show these things off. So I talk about all that and what am I what I think about the Vision Pro over in that episode. Go check that out, uh, Dana. Anything else you want to mention about uh, WWDC or where Apple is headed uh, before we have to let you go? No, I think we've had a really nice discussion today. Appreciate you um, having me on. Always. And uh, yeah, good luck with baby Hannah. Um, Thank you. Yeah, yeah we're all, uh, Dana's now juggling baby and work uh, like like so many of us. So thank you, Dana. Where can people find you online these days? Uh, occasionally, I am still tweeting. I used my uh, parental leave as an opportunity to take a step back from Twitter, I think, like a lot of you, um, have not Smart. been enjoying the atmosphere as of late. Um, but occasionally, I tweet at Dana Wallman at um, on Twitter. Otherwise, man, I'm mainly lurking on social media right now. It feels You're, really you nice. You do Instagram uh, food stuff, so that's that's always fun. My Instagram account is private, actually. Ah, um, okay. A good PSA for the strangers who try to follow me sometimes. No that's, offense. Uh, uh, you know what? Maybe we, should all, maybe we should all make our Instagrams private at this point, especially if you have kid photos. But yeah, thank you so much, Dana, and uh, chat with you soon, okay? Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, folks, Sam and I are still here, and we've got some other news to dive into. Uh, First off, we wanted to talk about Spotify fully sort of killing off Gimlet Media, the podcast studio it bought several years ago. Uh, They're basically combining it with the ParCast, which is another podcast platform. It used to be an advertising platform, but they also had some shows on it, too. Um, And they're laying off 200 people altogether. Uh, Together, they're becoming Spotify Studios with a focus on creators, you know, putting influencers in front of microphones to make podcasts. So 
that's that's a thing i don't sam like i don't know how closely have you followed the podcast space and how do you think about how do you yeah um, what do you think about what spotify is doing with just, this stuff? just very tangentially because like you know gimlet was kind of like the the flagship like podcast like example of like hey these people are doing great work and great content and then you have the big company swoops in and tears it apart and it's like Man, this is the tale as old as time, and you just hate to see it happen. It's just sad. Um, our podcast producer, Ben Elman, is pointing out Gimlet just won a Pulitzer and a Pete body within the last two months. Now they're focused on content creators. Um, so that that's something. Some- and they're, they're taking the easy way. This is, this, is the, this is the fast money. We want to, we want to churn out some bucks. It, I think, um, once again, make it clear that Spotify had no clue what it was doing with podcasts. Uh, we did talk about a couple of months ago that they're also going to be opening up their shows and no longer having them just exclusive to the Spotify app. Um, I think in time we will look to podcasts as sort of like, hey, this is a great resilient uh, piece of internet media because – it, it is inherently, because of RSS and everything, it is inherently universal. Like, it is easy to distribute. Anybody can make them. Um, and putting a podcast behind a closed door is kind of a recipe for failure, as I think Spotify learned. Um, and it's a shame, too. Like, I have friends who've worked on Gimlet shows. Uh, How to Save a Planet was a, was a great show that they just, like, killed because Joe Rogan needed more money, right? And these other shows were not were not making as much. So it is deeply sad and, uh, you know, I hope the people who were making shows here can, you know, m- create stuff elsewhere. I hope we build systems to produce, like, better podcasts, or at least to let them have bigger homes, too, or something. Because I, I love this medium. It's great. Um, There's also another piece of news. Um, Casey Newton over at Platformer pointed out that pretty much every social media platform is giving up and fighting 2020 election lies. And to me, that's not great. Especially with um, the election, the, the next, next election, election coming, coming up, up with, yeah. with Trump as the Republican frontrunner. Um, yeah, Facebook, uh, Twitter, everybody just seems like that is no longer a thing that they care about. I'm just going to highlight this and put it in the this is bad pile of the universe we're in right now. Sam, do you have any thoughts? It's it's like I don't even know what to do at this point because it's like there there's this clear thing that like people were making stuff up about the 2020 election and it's like it's become so pervasive at this point it seems like it's just impossible to get a handle on and even when you have you know companies that have you know pretty sophisticated relatively sophisticated like ai and machine learning techniques that can sort of you know kind of help filter this out there's just there's just no way to contain it all it's going to be and we we're entering another election cycle with now ai tools in at full blast so people are creating you know, uh, generated images and fake text for news stories and all sorts of stuff. It is, man, this is the bad place, and we are just not prepared. And, for and it. I think it kind of highlights like where we're at as like a society because it's like we're we're this is like peak era of misinformation where we have the ability to transmit anything, have millions of people see it, and then only later can people pull back on this. Like, oh wait, that just wasn't correct, or you know, it's that, and it's like. It's that um that age old um line. I can't remember who said it, but it's like you know it takes a second for a lie to right. go out, but it takes like a day for the truth to you know become known. And it's just uh, like oh, maybe it's, it's a good time it's, to it's take a social media vacation, folks. Even though there are new platforms coming out there, so you know, uh, it's it's going to be a rough year. I don't know what's going to happen. 
Uh, let's move on to some news around Engadget. Uh, Summer Game Fest coverage is starting today. Um, as we're recording this, Thursday, June 8th, um, coverage is going to start around 3 p.m. Eastern. So by the time you're listening to this, you'll probably see some stories up in Engadget. Go check out uh, coverage around tr- uh, game trailers and stuff coming out. Uh, is there anything you're looking forward to, Sam, from Game Fest? Because there's no E3. So this is essentially E3. Yeah, I've been so like caught up in everything. I haven't had a time to check out like what what's going on. There's so many new new games recently that just like uh, the, the uh, new Zelda Street Fighter Six, Diablo, that like I haven't even had a, time to like time. look at what's yeah, coming what up. What a time to yeah. be a gamer. So I, I'm actually like, this is good because I get to sit there and like you know keep tabs on Summer Game Fest and be like, oh, this is interesting. Like you know, it'd be cool for like you know releases later this fall. Yeah. Um, speaking of game stuff, I did. I took my Switch OLED uh, on my flight to to the Apple stuff this week, and just a reminder, folks, if you buy a new system. Make sure, make sure you switch over to the primary. Make sure that new system is your primary switch because oh, you no. will need to authenticate online to play games. And normally that's not a problem, but like the one time a year I take a flight somewhere and I was like, I'm going to play some Zelda on this five hour flight. No, 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 authentication not working. I tried tethering my phone and everything. It didn't work. I was I eventually at the hotel. I switched my primary console over to that one. And by the time I was flying back, I was just so tired because I just like I had no energy to play the switch. So anyway. Pro tip for everybody out there, it is very weird how the primary system uh, stuff works for Nintendo, but you do that within your Nintendo online account. It's a very annoying thing, but man, yeah, keep that in mind. Um, want to point out, Amy Scorheim uh, has written a best e-readers guide for 2023. Uh, this is one worth checking out because her best overall choice is not a Kindle. And as somebody who also recently got a Kobo, it is the Kobo Clara 2E that she's pointing out. Um, I think the Kobo stuff is really good. I do miss like having that full library of Kindle stuff, but uh, there are ways to move that over. And I like having the freedom to do that. So Kobo, all the way. Check out this guide in the best e-readers. Uh, let's move on to what we're working on. Sam, why don't you go first? What's up? I'm uh, just finishing up my MSI Stealth 14 Studio review. Um as kind of a spoiler, I like this thing a lot. I was kind of disappointed with last year's model, and uh, MSI did a complete design overhaul um, for 2023. So uh, stay tuned for that. Should be out uh, sometime next week. And also had uh, an interview with some Googlers about a forthcoming product. I'm not going to spoil okay. too much, but uh, if you know what I'm into and you know the kind of devices I like, you might be able to guess. Um, so stay tuned for for that. Um, uh, probably sometime next week as well. Very cool. I'm working on man. I'm I'm gonna be off later this month and uh, actually in uh, beginning of August as well. Um, but I'm working on some stuff to come out before then. I've got reviews for a few products, a few things we have mentioned on this episode. You can take your guess there. Um, so yeah, it's mainly that and mainly prepping for like whatever's coming out of summer. If there's any stuff, uh, what Black Mirror is gonna be coming soon, so I'm gonna try to get access to that so we can review that as well. Just uh, I, I need a break after the Apple Madness because I literally was writing for like eight hours, not eight hours straight because I was writing for eight hours for that hands on. But also Apple kept pinging me like, hey, 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 come come to this meeting right now. And for me to review certain things, it's like I got to go to a certain meeting. So uh, that was a weird, busy time. And man, am I tired. So, yeah. I was gonna say, I, I, you, you, you know, you flew over from the East Coast, and like, you know, I was like, you know, like checking in on Slack at like nine, ten p.m., and like you were in there, like, you know, getting, getting uh, feedback on like timing for posts, and all. I was like, 
Oh man, that's just it exhausting. is. Uh, it was exhausting. I knew what I was signing up for, but uh, because I wanted to be there for the Big Apple Day, and hopefully you'll get to try it soon, Sam. Like I'm pretty sure they're going to bring this like to other spaces to let people try it. Yeah, I, I yeah. hope so. Yeah, I mean it makes sense. Yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully, because this is a pretty big, pretty freaking deal for them. But yeah, let's move on to some pop culture picks for the week. Sam, what's up? Uh, I'm not watching any TV this weekend. I'm just playing Diablo 4. Uh, I've been uh, kind of, as, as much time as I can carve out for that game, uh, uh, I'm, that's what I'm doing. Um, I've been having a blast so far. Do you have Street Fighter as well? I have Street Fighter, and uh, I'm I'm saving that to uh, test on the uh, ROG Ally, which I think will be interesting to see how that runs on, on that game. I think, I mean, platform. it runs fine on the Steam Deck. You just have to, like, tweak the settings, so we'll see. Yeah, I've heard there's some issues. It's actually easier to install on the Steam Deck than the ROG Ally, so I'm very curious to see how that's that setup process interesting. goes. I mean, because it's just Steam, right? So it should just should just work. Um, right. Yeah. That's that's cool, but also it's like I'm finding myself. I have Street Fighter. I also have a key for Diablo. I haven't even installed yet. And it's like, man, how do you? And then the other moments of time, I want to play Zelda. So it, we are we are just spoiled right now, folks. So enjoy it. Um, I want to shout out a show called Unicorn Warriors Eternal. Have you heard of this, Sam? I have not. So please give me give me a little uh, intro. This is so when I couldn't uh, put on the Vision Pro in the airport and I was just stuck there. It's like, OK, I I know Gendy Tartakovsky, the creator of Dexter's Laboratory, Powerpuff Girls, um, you know, one of my favorite uh, animator uh, creators right now. Um, I know he has a new show. I know it has like cool like fantasy elements. So I decided to finally binge this thing. And this show is incredible, guys. It is an animated series. Um, I'm just going to read the IMDb description. It's about a team of ancient heroes protecting the world from an ominous force. They are called unicorns. They are reincarnated in different bodies over time to fight a great evil. Uh, This show is beautiful. It is very much uh, Gendy Tartakovsky uh, going on like classic animation, like almost like Betty Boop era animation, but also like I was gonna say, the, the, I just looked it up. The animation looks really wild. interesting. It's not, it's not like Powerpuff Girls, but it's like it's like a more advanced, like evol- evolution. It's very of much that. like forties, fifties animation. There's even a bit of like Astro Boy in here. There's a lot of uh, Osamu Tezuka callbacks, but it's just like beautiful character designs. Uh, the time we find our characters in is basically steampunk um victorian london it seems like so there's a lot of like cool gadgets I was, i'm getting a little little cuphead very much too, very much like that, that like kind ret- of retro like, yeah. retro inspired that kind of like style. classic animation so if you like animation if you like gendy tartakovsky and you should because i think this man is a genius you should check this show out there are six episodes right now um it was airing on adult swim but they're all on max so you could just stream them there and uh yeah i love it like a big fantasy thing Every scene, every shot of this show just looks incredible, and it has just such a ton of world building. It feels like I'm very happy for Gendy Tartakovsky because he is just like ha- living in his moment, right? His other show is Primal, which is essentially a dialogue-free show about a caveman and a dinosaur, and like he he could just like have his pure Conan uh, dreams in that show. And this one is full on like um, very anime, very uh, fantasy at the same time, and science fiction. It's just so, so much fun. So check out Unicorn, Warriors Eternal. If you like animation, I think you'd like this, especially after Spider-Man. We haven't even talked about, you know, uh, Across the Spider-Verse, but it is, um, again, amazing, amazing stuff. And I think this is a great time. If you love animation, there are great things worth checking out here. So, yeah. 
Thanks for joining us, folks. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own managing editor, Terrence O'Brien. The podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Sam online at... At Sam Rutherford on Twitter and, as always, on Gadget.com. Awesome. You can find me online at, at Devendra on Twitter, uh, at Devendra at Mastodon.social on the Elephant site. I'm also on Blue Sky if you're there, too. Tweet at Sherlin. Tell her to get yeah, better. Yeah, tweet at Sherlin. Um, and also, yeah, shout out to everybody in New York who's dealing with this horrific air right now. Um, you know, stay safe. Mask up if you're going outside. If you don't have an air filter right now, get one at the very least, especially if you have older folks in your family or young kids. It's a big deal. As always, folks, you can email us at podcastandgadget.com. Leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe on anything that gets podcasts. Thanks, folks. We're out. She said, if I hear the, the word AI one more time, I'm going to kill myself.